Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Amen, it's true. Good morning, church. Good to have you here. Good to have you who are worshiping with us online this service. And uh, we know that we continue to be a church in a lot of different quarters, a lot of different places, but united in the spirit. We were going to have a big celebration this morning, just a quick note, because uh, Jennifer Holtz finished her D-man and we were going to put her robe, her robe on her and her stripes and everything. And uh, their youngest had an emergency appendectomy yesterday afternoon. And uh, she's fine, everybody's fine, but uh, Jennifer, Adam, and sweet Maggie are all at home together, worshiping with us from home. And so with you, Jennifer, and with your family, and with everybody who's worshiping with us online, we just want you to know that we love you, we're one church, and we're with you, and uh, we're going to celebrate next time. And, uh, and we are going to do that. But... Today, we're here in the house, and we're pursuing Romans chapter 12. We're going to come to that last section of Romans chapter 12 as we uh, continue in this series on belong, and our message today is called Move Closer, and so we're going to finish up Romans chapter 12. We have one more message in this series next week, and, uh, but today we want to talk about Romans chapter 12, verses 14 to 21, and as we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts to the Lord. And we say that, Jesus, because if we don't open our hearts to you, we run the risk of staring over dead letters on a page. But we pray that in your mercy you would send your spirit and open your word to us and open us to your word that we might find life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is God's word. People can be mean on social media. Yeah? I just say that and then I wait for Captain Obvious to poke out, you know, pop out through one of the doors. Thanks, Captain Obvious. It's like earlier in this series I said, uh, not everything that someone posts on Facebook is an accurate description of how life is going for them. We said, thank, yeah, that's right. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Because we know these things. We know this stuff. Of course you can be mean on social media. It's easy to be mean out there. But it doesn't seem to, even though we know it, it doesn't seem to change us all that much. We haven't escaped the sort of terrors of what this means for us. But yeah, it's, it's easy to be mean on social media. It's easy to fire off an angry email. It's easy to uh, fire off a, a nasty kind of addition on, on, on a, a long uh, thread, a long message thread. It's easy to, to just dismiss people 
when you're online? Why? Because they're so far away from you. There's, a, there's an old saying, it's hard to hate up close. It's hard to hate up close. What does that mean? Well, it means when someone's far away from you, it's easy to dismiss them. It's easy to throw hate at them. It's easy to throw shade on their lives because, it, you know, you don't know them. You're not together. And so it's, it's easy to hate far away, but it's hard to hate up close. Now, why is that? It's because God made us that way. When we're together, we actually see a little bit of the humanity in one another. We see a little dignity in one another. As a matter of fact, we see the image of God in one another. And so when you're up close with someone, you can't, uh, you can't stereotype them. You can't stereotype someone you know. You can't scapegoat or blame a people group that you, that you understand, that you're a part of, that you're in their circle. It's hard to hate up close. Another way to say this is that distance increases dehumanization. Proximity increases rehumanization. Like when we get close, I just can't dismiss you. I see that you're a human being. It's hard to hate up close. So what do we want to do as a church? We want to learn how to move closer. Move closer. Move closer. We've been studying uh, belong since August, talking about how, how Christ calls us toward true belonging, out of loneliness, out of the loneliness epidemic, into relationships of true community, true belonging. And this month, we focused in on Romans 12. How as a church can we live this out? And Romans 12 has been that picture for us. Romans 12, what a passage. There's people in this church that have memorized Romans 12. They can run it, they can run it right off the top of their head for you. But we've looked at it as a call to the church to move forward against loneliness and into true belonging. And it's that four-step process that we've been running through here now for the past couple of months where you realize at first, you realize that there's loneliness out there. There's loneliness. I'm alone. And what does the church do to respond to that? Well, it starts right at the beginning of Romans 12. You look at Romans 12, verse 1. The church comes together to become a living sacrifice together. Let's read this verse together, church. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's not an individual thing. That's not a me thing. That's a we thing. That's a us thing. That's a, there's nothing singular about that. It's plural. And so the church comes together and all individuals that are alone and we lay our lives down as a living sacrifice and something starts to happen. So then the next step is, is do we risk being known? Can we risk being known? Two weeks ago, Pastor Michael talked about that, talking about how the church is this place where actually we can give ourselves to one another and we can risk being known a little bit more than we are out there. We can drop our masks. We can be real. We don't have to be the people of the lie. We can show each other what's really going on. We can ask for genuine prayer requests and pray for one another genuinely. You don't have to fake it in church. You shouldn't have to fake it. And so Pastor Michael was talking about that under this tremendous verse, verse 5, and I want us to say this one again. We're going to read this together. This is so key. Let's read this together, church. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs. Each member belongs. Belong. You could preach a sermon series on that probably, right? 
actual belonging. You actually belong to it. This is not a membership like a, like a membership at a, a country club or some kind of like, you know, the gym or something where I'm paying and I'm getting what I, what I get for what I pay. No, this is a body and you're one of the members. You're part of it. That means if the body hurts, you hurt. If you hurt, the body hurts. If the body lives, you're living and you're giving some of your life to it. The vitality of the body depends on all of its members coming together. We're one body. Well, the third little step here in this dance is be open to God. Can you be open to God in the church? Of course you can. We come into the church, we're in the proximity, we're with, with other believers, we feel the Holy Spirit, we receive the word, all of a sudden we're opening our heart to God in a new way, we're in a new relationship with God, and we feel a new kind of a love pouring into us, a new kind of a spirit filling us up, and we can love one another in a different way. See, we can love authentically. Pastor Greg talked about that last week. And he sang a song up here. I can be your hero, baby. If you want to know how that fits, you better watch last week's sermon. I can be your hero, baby. There's a love. There's an authentic love. Let love be authentic. Not a quid pro quo love. I love you just to get back what I want. Not a transactional love. I'll love you this much if you love me that much. There's a love that's a love like Jesus, an authentic love in the church when we're open to God. And here's the verse for that. It's verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Let love be sincere, authentic. Be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. And how do we know what love is? We look to Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So love isn't just, it isn't just like really try hard to drum up warm fuzzies for all the people that go to your same church. But be devoted to loving them. How do you love like Jesus? You lift them up, you sacrifice for them, you build into their lives. You say, I'm going to be devoted to lifting up the body and let love be sincere and authentic. Honor one another above yourselves. Well, it's on me to try to close it out here then. The fourth bit of this, open to others. Open to others. This last part of Romans 12, it calls us to be open to others in new ways, on a new footing. In a new relationship that we have with God, we can step toward one another differently. We can be closer to one another. We can move closer. And that's our challenge this morning. Move closer. Move closer in this body, in this church. Move closer. Even toward those with whom you have friction. Even with those who you think you might have some disagreement with. Move, how do you move closer? Move closer to those who maybe you, you've got some, some wrong in between you. You've got something that's keeping you apart from one. You've got something in your relationship that if you're honest about it, it tempts you to thirst for revenge and retaliation. What this pastor is going to say is, hey, move closer and let God do what God's going to do. Open to one another. Open to others. Let's look at it. Why? Because it's hard to hate up close. Say that with me, church. It's hard to hate up close. It is. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless 
and do not curse. What a great place to start, right? Whew. Now, who does that sound like? Who does that line sound like? I'll tell you what, if we had any of the writings of the person who wrote this letter prior to his meeting Christ, if we had any of the writings of Paul prior to his meeting Christ, you wouldn't find that phrase in there. Who does it sound like? How about this? You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've heard it. Why have you heard it? Because it makes perfect sense. You love the person close to you. You hate the person who's apart from you. You love your friends. You hate those who are your enemies. You've heard it said because it makes perfect sense. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's Jesus. In his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, that's Jesus. Love your enemies. Don't just return hate for hate. That only doubles over the hate. Don't return you know, evil for evil. That only doubles over the evil. You can't push out darkness by pushing more darkness into the scene, right? Only light can do that. So you don't just return hate for hate, evil for evil, darkness for darkness. No, you let the Lord bring his light into it. And what does that mean that you've got to do? It means that you've got to bless. You've got to bless. Bless. Even those who persecute you. Bless is going to include forgiveness. Forgiveness. There's nothing that separates us and isolates us more than unforgiveness. If you've got a chip on your shoulder toward anyone, it causes you to get isolated from everyone. Because that chip on your shoulder, it doesn't allow you to trust. It doesn't allow you to take down your walls. It doesn't allow you to drop your mask. It doesn't allow you to be real. When you've got a chip on your shoulder, unforgiveness toward anyone isolates you from everyone. And then what happens? You know what? You're alone and you're stuck in isolation and loneliness because of something that somebody else did to you. No, friends, you've got to bless and not curse. You've got to forgive. You've got to practice forgiveness. Now, look, people get confused about this passage. They've been confused about this passage for centuries because, first of all, because by the time you get this deep into Romans and Romans 12, you forget that this is being written to a group of people. So you think about it as, is this something that I'm supposed to do as an, as an individual? Am I supposed to do this all alone? Am I supposed to figure out how to work this out? And you think, how do I do that? How do I live this out? And if I'm supposed to live this out as an individual, then are you teaching me what I'm supposed to do inside the church or are you teaching me what I'm supposed to do outside the church with, with non-believers? Is this, is this for the community or is this for those outside. And by the time you get all the way there, you're so far off track that even trained scholars and commentators are sometimes say about this, we don't know, we think it's just a loose conglomeration of ideas. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is a word to a group. And that group is the church. And what is the church? The church is a company of sinners saved by grace. What I want you to understand is bless those who persecute you, forgive your enemies. That's going to have to happen outside the church and that's going to have to happen inside the church. Do you understand that? 
Because this list, this, what I'm saying is this list doesn't make sense unless you recognize that these are commands that happen both inside the body and outside the body. And so what that means is that bless those who persecute you, forgive your enemies, that's going to have to happen as much inside the house as outside the house. As much inside as outside. Move closer. So what does that mean outside the church? Bless your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Well, that's kind of easy to understand. That means I'm going to pray for those people who make my life hard as a Christian. I'm going to pray for that, that teacher, that professor that always you know, made fun of me for following Christ. Or I'm going to pray for those leaders in my, my world who are making policies and procedures and setting them in place that make it hard to follow the word of God in my life. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm even going to pray for, I'm going to pray for even violent oppressors and evildoers. I'm going to pray for them. Listen, imagine with me that right now, today, the most terrifying leader of the Taliban in Afghanistan came to Christ. What would that do in the world? What would that do? What witness would that bring? Imagine with me that, that one of these horrible kidnappers in Haiti. Imagine that, that right now, this morning, he woke up and he is saying to his fellow kidnappers, I had such a dream last night. Brothers, we can't continue down this road. There's a God in heaven and a, and a Jesus who loves us. Can you imagine that? What a powerful witness that would be. And so as, as the children of God, we pray for that. We pray for our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us knowing that God is able. But what does it mean inside the church? What does it mean inside the church? Forgiveness will need to happen as much inside as outside. Love your enemies. Bless those who make it hard on you. Inside the church. Move closer. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Verse 15, mourn with those who mourn. I've had people ask me before, Pastor Tim, why does it take a funeral to get my family to come together? I've heard people ask, why does it take a disaster, a crisis to bring us together? Why does it take a national disaster to bring our country together? We were never so together as a country as we were on September 11th, 2001, for those of you who remember that, right? And when it came to December 2012, we were all Sandy Hook parents. When it came to April of 2013, we were all Boston strong. Do you remember these moments? It changed us. And why does it take these, these enormous crises to bring us together? Well, it's because we feel that, that common humanity and the pain, and we can associate with one another, and it brings us together. But the Bible doesn't just say mourn with those who mourn. It says rejoice with those who rejoice. So what about the joy? You know, there are some who say it's actually more difficult for us to share in collective joy than it is for us to share in collective pain because we just don't trust it. I've quoted from Brene Brown, sociologist, a book that she wrote called Braving the Wilderness some years ago. Here's what she said about these collective experiences of joy and pain. These examples of collective joy and pain our sacred experiences. We need these moments with strangers as reminders that despite how much we dislike someone on Facebook or even in person, we are still inextricably connected 
See, we need these moments, she says. And this is a secular writing, but she issues the challenge. She says, the problem is that we don't show up for enough of these experiences. We clearly need them, but it's vulnerable to lean into that kind of shared joy and pain. We armor up. We shove our hands into our pockets during the concert. We roll our eyes during the dance. We put on headphones rather than get to know somebody on the train. But the more we're willing to seek out moments of collective joy and show up for experiences of collective pain, for real, in person, not online, the more difficult it becomes to deny our human connection, even with people we may disagree with. We need that stuff. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Church, pride and ego dissolve true community on contact. Push up in smoke. <laughs> Think, what happened? It's hard to hate up close, right? It's hard to hate up close. But it's hard to get close when your own head won't fit through the door. Okay? There's just no room. There's no room for pride and ego, for conceit in true belonging. It doesn't work. And then it gets us into this passage. It gets into revenge and retaliation. Revenge and retaliation. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is what? Is what? what is right in the eyes of everyone. Well, yeah. I mean, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Well, church, you know what is right in the eyes of everyone? I'll tell you one thing. What's right in the eyes of everyone is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about three of those next month in a really short and pretty fun series where we're looking at love, joy, and peace. But the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Here's what it says, Galatians 5, 22. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is what? There's no law. There's no law against these things. Wherever you go, in whatever language you're speaking, whatever soil is under your feet, whatever city you're in, they have not made a law against this fruit. This fruit, everywhere you go, it's legalized. Thank you. In every county, every state, every, no matter what time in, in history, what period you're in, isn't that amazing? Try to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. Well, against this fruit, there is no law. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then, don't give in to the temptation to retaliate or take revenge. Verse 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room, leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. God says, I'll take care of it. I'll set that right. You don't go take revenge. You don't retaliate. I will repay, says the Lord. We usurp God's rightful place as judge when we attempt to exact revenge ourselves. Did Jesus retaliate? Did Jesus take revenge? 
when we mistreated him? No. And that bit about so far as it is, depends on you, live in harmony with all, live at peace with all. We had a funeral on, Thursday, on Friday afternoon for a, a dear man teacher at Air Academy High School named Glenn Hoyt. One of the things that he used to teach his kids as kids remember uh, is uh, he used to say, kindness matters. When you have a choice, choose to be kind. When you have a choice, choose to be kind. I love that. And then, church, I need to say a little word about what I'm just going to call the weird verse in Romans 12. Did you catch one that sounded a little weird toward the end? It's verse 20. It's a quote from Proverbs. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Right? Like, that's, isn't that just kind of weird? Like, what are you... I mean, I'm, I'm with you at the beginning. Like, oh, this sounds great. This is exactly the kind of human I want to become. This is the kind of kindness and mercy I want to reflect off of the kindness and mercy of Jesus. If my enemy's hungry, sure, I'll give him a sandwich. If he's thirsty, here, have something to drink. I'm, so, I'm the big guy in the room, right? I mean, I, I can love my enemy like that. And so I'm going to give you a sandwich, and I'm going to give you a lemonade so I can empty my barbecue on your face. <laughs> That's not exactly what it means. Uh, This is poetic language. It's metaphorical. Both in Proverbs where it's initial and and here where it's quoted, it's a metaphor. The, The heat, the pain, is the searing of the conscience when an evildoer realizes that all of my evil is only being returned with good, that all of my 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 hatred is only returning mercy out of this person. And there's a searing of the conscience. That's what that means. At no point in your life with Christ will the Holy Spirit whisper in your ears, get the barbecue going. We are headed across the street, right? <laughs> no. But God will take care of that as you love after the likeness of Jesus. So we come to that last verse, 21. We say this together, church. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So move in closer, church. Move in closer in church and out of church. Move in closer in church. Eugene Peterson summarized this passage this way. He said, God has given us one another so that we may have a shared life. None of us can live the abundant life as hermits, nor can we live to the glory of God if we carefully pick whom we're willing to associate with. One of the great gifts of church is association with people that you never would have sought association and relationship with. And it shapes us, changes us. All who live are God's creation and parts of the body of Christ. We're members of one another. We exist in a family together, not alone. Now, what Peterson goes on to talk about here is he goes on to talk about how that's actually going to impact our 
our, our checkbooks, our, our family budget. And it's important that we mention that because next week is Commitment Sunday for us as a church. It's that Sunday of the year where we say, here's my commitment, my pledge to the work of the Lord in this body in the coming year, 2022. What do I want to see 2022 doing in this church that God has called me to be about? And Eugene Peterson actually went on to say, look, being, belonging to a church as a, as a member of a body means more than just giving a little here and there. It means that you're connected. Here's what he wrote. It's the offering of our total economic selves to the glory and service of God. Income and earning capacity is God's gift to us too and must be part of offering our lives. You see, if you're committed to a body, then you're committed to its vitality. And the thing that you, ma- that maybe that thing that, that matters more to you than it maybe should, maybe it matters more to you than anything else, your money, that's a way of, of pouring yourself in and saying, I'm a member of this body, and if this body's going to live, I'm going to pour vitality into it. And when I hurt, the body hurts, and when the body hurts, I hurt, and I want to be tied and committed. I'm not just going to tip Jesus from the overage. I'm going to be committed to building the kingdom of God in a ready and a steady way. Hey, this is a message for members, okay? If you're a guest in this church, if you're trying to seek the Lord, you are, don't, just don't listen to what I'm saying right now, Okay? You are housed and hosted by a generous congregation that just wants you to get closer to Jesus. But if you are a member of this body and you want to be part of it, there's a commitment to be made. And that commitment, it includes everything that we are, all my heart, all my being, all my energy, everything that I am, it belongs to Jesus. And so I give to him a a tithe, a tenth of the income that he has graciously brought into my life. I give to him celebratory offerings over and above like we're doing with the 150th birthday project. Folks, that's what it is to be a member. To be committed to his church. If you belong to Jesus, then to be committed and make a commitment to the work of his church, it is both emblematic and instrumental to this truth coming home to your heart that you belong to Jesus. It's emblematic, it's a sign, it's a good sign to look at. It's also instrumental. It's an instrument that shapes you, it changes you. If you've never made a commitment to give to the work of the Lord, I'm telling you it'll change your life. It changes your life to be invested in what he's doing. But anyway, move closer in the church, move closer outside the church. Outside the church. To a world that might even be hostile toward what you believe. I was reminded this week of the peace prayer of Francis of Assisi. It goes like this. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make me an instrument of your peace. This is out there in the world. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. 
And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. How can that happen? How can I move closer in church? How can I forgive? How can I get closer to those who have even made life hard for me? How, how can I get closer in the world to a world that's hostile to me? How can that happen? I tell you, church, that prayer from Francis, that'll rock you. I can't live a single phrase of that. I can't fulfill a single bullet point of that. But Jesus can. And Jesus does. Jesus is the one who loves his enemies. Jesus is the one who moves closer. Jesus is the one who, while he was stretched out and dying on the cross for our sins, made his appeal, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. That's Jesus. When you can't move closer, when you're hungry for retaliation, when you're thirsty for revenge, when you don't know how to move closer, to close the gap, look to Jesus. He's at work in your heart. By his spirit, he's within you. And Jesus, this Jesus, is always, always ready to move closer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've moved close to us when we were far from you. That when we were your enemies, self-declared, rebellious to your kingdom, you reached out and claimed us as your friends. You drew us close to you. But you dropped the walls that separate. You pulled us to your very heart. And so, Jesus, we, we want to give you thanks for belonging in the church and what that means and what a gift it is. What a unique thing on the landscape of the globe and in our lives. And we thank you for it. Pray that you help us to move closer to one another, closer to you, to trust that you are working all things out. Lord, open our hearts to believe your promises, to find true belonging, not just for us, but as a gift to this world. We pray it in Jesus' name and to his glory. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.